Welcome to Humans of Fintech, the podcast where I share the inspiring stories of diverse leaders bringing equity to financial systems through fintech. I'm Nicole Casperson. When we build for the margins, we get the center for free. The creator economy is a $100 billion market where 2 million professional creators with unconventional incomes thrive. While traditional financial institutions shy away from this market due to societal taboos, fintech can embrace this community. In this episode, I sit down with Keely Blair, the CEO of OnlyFans, and she's discussing how OnlyFans is seizing this market opportunity while staying true to the promise of financial inclusion, causing us to rethink what it means to be innovators. I'm so excited for you to hear this episode. Keely is a badass powerhouse woman of fintech, the newly minted CEO of OnlyFans. I can't think of anyone better for this role, anyone more passionate about feminism, financial inclusion, creators, and financial inclusivity. So you are going to love this episode. You're going to love hearing her insights and her journey. Oh, and it's recorded live from Money 2020 Europe in Amsterdam. So enjoy this episode. Keely, Blair, thank you so much for joining me on Humans of Fintech live at Money 2020 Europe. For me, this is my first Amsterdam trip. Yeah, we were talking about that, right? Yeah. And the comparison between here and Vegas. I mean, it's beautiful here. It is gorgeous. It's a little like La La Land for me because I live in New York, yeah. in Brooklyn. And I came here and I landed and I was like, oh my gosh, the air is so fresh smell. It smells clean here. We, we pump that in, especially for tourists. Ah, yes. Whereas like the tourist air. That we mm, sure that oh my gosh. No one let me know it. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you again for joining me. I will start by asking you something so interesting. During our prep call for this conversation, you said that your feminism drives your interest in fintech, and that is so fintech as femme. It's wild and so aligned with this show's value. So can you just explain a little bit about what you meant? Sure. So obviously, as you mentioned, my role is a chief operating officer at OnlyFans, right? And OnlyFans is not a company that people may necessarily associate with feminism and with fintech. Right. So when we were talking about that, we were like, well, let's talk about that intersection and how that happens in the business that I work in. And ultimately, we're a creator community, right? We're home to three million creators and many, many of those creators present or identify as female. Mm. And ultimately, it's a platform that enables creators to share and monetize their content and to get paid for the work that they produced. So for me, in terms of thinking about my journey and how I ended up where I am, I always say I kind of accidentally ended up in fintech, right? I, mm. I'm a lawyer by background. That's what I've always done. And it's just the draw of the platform and the ability to be there and help to create a safe space mm. for creators and in particular women creators um, to be able to share content, including some of the adult content, mm. right? And that's a very important place to make safe for people as best as we can, make sure that minors aren't on the platform make sure that our terms of service are abided by. And interestingly as well, the way the platform is structured, because there's no anonymity on our platform, cyberbullying doesn't happen, yeah. trolling doesn't happen, all of these other things don't happen. So as a platform, it is enabling women to monetize their content in mm -hmm. many ways. And when we look at fintech and the fintech industry more generally, like I was walking around today and I was thinking about this podcast and thinking about, It's great to see more women in fintech, yeah. right? But the interesting thing is there was a study recently done by Deloitte, which said that 30% of entry-level 
people in fintech are women. Mm-hmm. When you get to senior level, you're talking about 17%. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's a massive drop off. And you can see that when you walk around, right? Women right. are in the room, but are we at the table? Mm-hmm. Are they in the decision-making room, actually, especially in every development process? Correct. From the product design to the, it's not enough to have like one woman on your board or one woman in your C-suite. And I'm also someone that's really trying to move away from this narrative of, oh, well, but she has a seat at the table. A seat at the table means nothing if their voice isn't heard, if they aren't valued. And honestly, it comes from both sides and starting with being able to empower the consumer, the female consumer with money and also the C-suite executive, right, to speak up. It's all interconnected. And so I feel like, you know, with OnlyFans, you really are starting on both ends, but really with also the consumer and just actually opening the door to this, to more women being able to feel financially independent and secure. I mean, how many, do you know how many women are on the platform compared to men yet? Or do you have that data? We don't break down the creator community in that way. And also then there's the issue of who presents as female and all of those things as well. So I think that that's, we know that a large proportion of our creators Mm. are female. And certainly some of the very high profile ones are female. And so we talk to them about that as well. And in fact, um, later on in 2020, I'm going to be joined by one of our male creators and one of our female creators. So we're a very inclusive community. Um, But I think the point that you made about having a seat at the table and what that means in development is key, right? Mm-hmm. So when we look at product design, when we look at the problems that fintech is solving for, are they problems that are gender neutral problems? Are they solving for female problems? Mm-hmm. If you look at the gig economy and the creator economy, so many of that, those things that are about flexibility, about being in control, about owning your own time, being able to make that work around your schedule. Those are things that have traditionally sometimes been women's issues, mm-hmm. right? And now they're everybody issues. Right. Everybody wants more flexibility. You want to be able to be a podcaster slash journalist yes. slash everything. And to do that, you need to have flexibility. And you're a creator, right? Right. Part of the creator. Yes. And so I think that fintech sometimes we need to think about those problems and solve for them in a way that is inclusive of women. And as you said, at the design stage, not just a, they're just pink brand it mm, like I, I, right that like kind of it's the classic thing of like why is this big razor more expensive than this big razor oh i know because it's big women <laughs> <laughs> because the word women is on it and it's pink so it deserves to be more expensive i mean and it, it shouldn't be like that for women in finance as well but i want to first also ask about just maybe a personal story that maybe really led you to your role at OnlyFans because OnlyFans is very female-led and driven. Yeah, I mean, for me, actually, it was when our chief executive, Amy Gann, took over her role. And so I'd worked at the company before as an external advisor and Amy stepping into the C-suite role for this incredible behemoth in the creator Mm -hmm. economy and having that creator first mindset and asking me whether I'd be willing to come and be on this journey with her and being part of a senior executive team, which is 50-50 gender split, mm-hmm. is incredible. It's, right? it's unheard amazing. of. <laughs> it doesn't exist. Wait, like, except for for you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I, I mean, yeah. Tell us about what it's like. We have a really great team. Yeah. Um, and so big shout out to our CFO, Lee Taylor, um, who's here as well. Our CTO as well, Igor and Amy. And between the four of us, the dynamics really incredible actually it's a real collection of equals Mm -hmm. we all have different skills that we bring to the table but it enables us to really serve the creator community and to have that creator first mindset you know when we think about the creator economy i think the goldman report that came goldman sachs report that came out earlier this year said that the creator economy at the moment is worth 
$250 billion. Mm-hmm. They reckon by 2027, it's going to be worth $480 billion. Yeah. That's, that's crazy numbers. I mean, it's one of those things that makes you go, how is everyone in the financial service industry not grabbing onto this opportunity with full force? And I mean, it's because of social norms. Absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So those social norms are that in order to be eligible for a mortgage, you must work a traditional nine to five job in a salaried place and be able to demonstrate your income in that particular way. Otherwise, you're a credit risk. Whereas actually, we know, especially even you know younger people struggle because they've been renting for so long mm-hmm. to, to get on the housing ladder. Then when you look at the accumulation of wealth from the wealth gap that mm-hmm. happens as well. So we see creators on OnlyFans who become very independently wealthy, um, but they may not have had the social capital beforehand to know how to manage their wealth. And mm-hmm. so it's that it, you want to make sure you're creating a space where people can be successful, but then they also have the support in the financial system. There are creators on OnlyFans who are earning incredible amounts from the platform, but they're unable to get a mortgage. Mm. I mean, but they're not a credit risk. No. Like, so it's, no. what's the decision-making no. process behind that? And why is it not designed with the creator economy in mind? I mean, it makes me think of the, the session earlier today uh, with uh, Ruman uh, Chowdhury from uh, Twitter, and she's from there. She was a part of their ethical AI research group. And she was saying oh, before Elon Musk got rid of it. <laughs> and she was, you know, saying about how we she's still she's sharing about redlining. She's sharing about all of the things that are and to think that those. Yes, they don't exist today. However, the compounding effects of something that happened, what feels like so long ago. But the reality is, is that these things aren't that long ago. The reality is, is that we're still dealing with a financial institution that opened up access for women to have their own bank accounts in the 70s. That's not that long ago. A lot of people at this event are probably born then or before. And so, I mean, it's we're still dealing with those elements and you are facing it so head on. Yeah. And I think that's one of the incredible things about OnlyFans as a platform. We've never been scared to disrupt. And you took the model of social media where it was all about influencer deals and marketing campaigns and said, hold on a second, shouldn't it be about creating content and content itself having an intrinsic value? And shouldn't the person who creates that content be in control of it? Shouldn't they own it? Shouldn't they get paid for it? And so being willing to disrupt in that sense, I mean, our economic split, so the way that our creators monetize is 80% of any payment made on the site goes to the creator, Mm -hmm. 20% goes to OnlyFans. That means that for every dollar that OnlyFans makes, creators make four. Mm. It's insane. Like yeah. that kind of return for the creator economy and the power that has is enormous. And for me, when we look around here and we see all of these incredible big name traditional financial services institutions, it's like, what are you doing to solve for those problems? Mm-hmm. Right? How are you addressing those things? Don't just do the same thing that everyone else is doing. Right. right. Uh, where Where is the new idea coming from? Mm-hmm. When are we challenging us? Well, it, it actually challenges us to think differently, to flip the narrative. We come to these events and we're talking about how we are, you know, fintech is the disruptor of traditional finance. And it's like, well, but are you really? Let's talk about financial inclusivity. Who are you really serving? You know, are you just going to keep going after traditional income or are you actually going to move along with the culture of the world, which is what, two million, right? Professional creators out there and counting and how large of a market opportunity, like paint that picture for us again. Exactly. When you think about the size of the market opportunity to by 2027, 480 billion in the creator economy. Like that is an entire net new amount of wealth to Mm -hmm. to manage, to plan for, to provide solutions to, to enable payments for. And it's truly a global 
economy. That's the thing. You look at the next billion users, everyone talks about the next billion users in social media coming from Africa. Um, And that piece about inclusivity, we see in Latin America, for example, in terms of looking outside of traditional Western Europe. And so again, it's how are we solving for those problems in those geographies with those user groups? And in particular, when we talk about women as well, how are we solving for those problems? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How are you, I guess, in some ways specifically working on with some of your female creators and women's issues in terms of, you know, I mean, this current environment is not so great for women right now. This has been, a, it's been a hard year, right? I mean, it's a hard year for a lot of folks. And so, I mean, how are you, I guess, like working with your users, especially women that can feel very knocked down by the financial system? I mean, I think that when we come back to it, the most important thing is making sure that people get paid. Yeah. That they're in control, right? Yeah. So, for us, it's always about trying to innovate in the payment space, thinking about what new geographies we can open up into, thinking about new payment methods that we can employ on the site. And when you think about women in particular, it's making sure that you create that safe space. Mm. So traditional social media can be a really horrible place to exist. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As a woman on the internet, I, I understand. If you've been a woman on the internet, you've been called like fat, ugly and stupid at least a couple times a week. Yeah, pretty much. Just check by Twitter. And, and, and the worst thing is that shouldn't happen. No, and you should be in control of being able to say, well, if you say that to me, you should be accountable for that. Mm-hmm. Like, if you came up to me in the street and you said that to me, you'd be accountable for it. Yeah. In some respects, the structure of anonymity on the internet enables people to hide and empowers people to behave in ways they otherwise wouldn't behave. Mm-hmm. And so for us, that's why we don't have end-to-end encryption on our platform and why we review all of our content. And it's why a lot of our creators will come out and say, it is the safest space. This is the place where I feel most able to be myself and be creative on the internet. That's because people don't typically subscribe to you and pay to you to be mean to you. Yeah. Like, you know, they can right. do that for free. They can learn free on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Or literally anywhere else. They can YouTube, whatever you, you want to do in Instagram. I mean, and I love just like how much opportunity there is, especially we're here at Money 2020. When you think about like, okay, take a female creator who, let's say that's been her entire career, you know, a majority of her career is non-traditional income. Think about all of the needs that one human has and then you know, right, multiply it by the millions and billions that is going to happen over the years. I mean, that's wealth management, wealth tech. That's far beyond just what, you know, only plan, or OnlyFans, you know, does and plans and provides. So I feel like, you know, what is kind of some of your, uh, I guess, ambitions when you come? Because I know you've been coming to Money 2020 events now. You've been sharing the story. What's the ideal outcome? The ideal outcome for us is where the creator economy gets to sit alongside other aspects of the economy and mm-hmm. get treated with the same level of respect as other areas of the economy because the opportunity is there. And so when we sit down and we have conversations with people, it's helping them to understand what risk looks like in the creator economy, helping them to understand what structure, the structure of payment structures looks like in the creator economy, helping them to understand what our creators need. So exactly that, our creators need access to banking, like they need access to banking, they need access to financial services products, they need access to wealth management products. And if you guys here, I say guys because I'm one of the the guys in the room, right? If you're not solving for those problems, somebody else is going to. Mm -hmm. And that somebody else is going to eat that market share. Right. Yeah. That's a huge market share to walk away from. Yeah. So why not solve it? I mean, and we know that the a lot of the incumbents aren't doing it. I mean, one of the craziest things that happened to a coworker of mine, my parent company, Workweek, we talked about this on the prep call, but I, this story is just crazy to me still. But she applied for a mortgage loan. She was our head of events at the time. And 
uh, it was like last year at a traditional bank and she was rejected because my parent company, Workweek, is a media company that has a newsletter that is about the cannabis industry. And she got rejected and our founder and CEO like wrote, uh, wrote this bank a, a letter like we do not sell cannabis. We do not you know, do any of that. And she has nothing to do with the cannabis brand at all. And they still were like, no, too bad. Like, so now what? Now that woman is excluded from getting a mortgage for her home because of a pure association. Yeah. And an association with a legal business. Yeah, right. that's literally it's like you're, you're not talking about uh, anything which is operating outside the boundaries of what's the law. And so that for me is really interesting and actually is something I can relate to because I, I remember going and applying for a bank account at a bank that I will not name. Um, we're not naming banks here. We're not naming banks. No, ba- no naming and shaming banks. <laughs> and we won't do that. But I went personally applied for a bank account. And I was, uh, again, because of the association with the creator economy and adult content, I got told thanks, but no thanks. Um, I was like, I'm the most boring human on the planet. I'm like, excuse I'm me, I'm a lawyer. The law firm. This like, is yeah. literally, yeah, like you have to like start to go Karen on them. Um. <laughs> exactly. We, 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 we won't Karen and we won't bank shit. No, I mean, and that's just like, you know, they aim low, we, we aim high, right? I mean, and that's what it's about. It's really about instead of thinking of like, oh, they excluded us. What if we're more resilient? You know, and I, it's something I learned from a lot of my mentors. Well, I, you know, also want to talk briefly about your just your experience as like a woman in this field you know now you're in this like successful leadership position right people look up to you my listeners are, look up to you and you know the other guests I've had on this show I mean what are some of your pieces of advice for you know the the women that are listening to humans of fintech and just wanting to get to the type of level that you're at where they're in the c-suite where they're disrupting where they're you know having their voice actually heard and not just sitting at the table? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And I think the thing that I've always tried to do is find other opportunities for women, right? Mm. So I know that whenever I am looking to instruct a new lawyer, I will always try and I will probably have a natural bias towards instructing a female partner mm-hmm. something. If we are hiring, again, it's that thing of where are the female candidates are. We're looking at as many female candidates as male candidates. But individually, we all have the power to find opportunities and to connect people mm-hmm. to those opportunities. And that's always the thing that people kind of wait. They kind of wait till they're like, oh, well, when I'm senior, I'll do X. Mm. The reality is you can make that introduction for your friend. You can be that person who talks about them when they're not in the room. Mm-hmm. That champion yes. says how amazing this person is. Because the reality is there's, there's room for everybody at the date. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. We just need to make a bigger table. Right, right. I mean, well said. And just getting out of uh, scarcity mindset, right? As if there's only one spot for anyone. There isn't. There's plenty of room. And I think that it correlates so nicely with the work you're doing at OnlyFans. You know, you being a woman in your position, right? We talked about how the workforce at the beginning is, it has a large female population, but then it loses its way when you get into C-suite and and director roles. But it's important to be in the seat and it's important to bring women up. And my final question for you if we need to be the change that we wish to see, what change in fintech do you wish to see and how do you embody it? Oh, that's hard, right? Because I kind of don't think of myself as embodying change in any way. <laughs> I mean, what? Doing the things. I guess the, for me, it's don't let other people set the expectations or the mm. limits, right? Don't accept what other people say as being fact and create your own narrative about what you're doing. So... As a business, we have had to overcome challenges about people's preconceptions about our brand. But we are still doing it. We're still doing it today. Yeah. Exactly. 
And so it, it's about saying, I hear your challenge, but can you listen and let's explore some issues together? So yeah, I would say don't accept the limitations and don't accept other people's narrative of what you're doing. Mm. Well said, well said. And I think there is a level of confidence that has to come with that. And, you know, you're making me think of a founder of uh, Girls Who Code, uh, Reese Rochelle Johnny. Her like her commencement speech is like going a bit viral on the Internet right now and just helping women understand that, you know, imposter syndrome is something that was has really been something that has been a societal norm pushed on us, right? Since basically like the beginning of time, but it's not real. Like it's actually not real. So if we can empower each other to, to get past that, that's you. Yeah. All right. And I've had the best time talking with you. I loved our Thank you. Call, so thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Keely, for being open, honest and, and hanging out with me. Live at Money 2020 Amsterdam. It's been a pleasure. I'm excited to enjoy some weather after this. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. To hear our next story from another diverse leader, be sure to tune in next week. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our show and give it a five-star rating as it helps our message reach more people who want to find belonging too. <laughs>